success in the business, it involves a lot of luck. And that's out of our control. But it is possible to increase our odds of success. After the referendum, we realized that the amount of media interest when you do political work is distracting us from our actual work. So we decided that we won't do any political work. I think the UK has a unique opportunity to build on, on its AI leadership. From the first-time founders to the funds that back them, innovation needs different. Our episode partner, HSBC Innovation Banking, is proud to accelerate growth for tech and life science businesses, creating meaningful connections and opening up a world of opportunity for entrepreneurs and investors alike. Discover more at www.hsbcinnovationbanking.com slash en gb. Hello and welcome to the UKTN podcast, a weekly chat with the movers and shakers of the UK tech industry and the destination for all things UK tech related. I am your host, Jane Wakefield, and this week I am joined by Angie Ma, co-founder of artificial intelligence firm Faculty. Welcome, Angie. Hello, everyone. Delighted to be here. So first of all, Angie, just talk me through very briefly what it is that Faculty does. So Faculty, we are a applied AI technology company. We transform organizational performance through safe, impactful and human first AI. We this year is our 10 year anniversary. So we've been around for quite a while for AI companies. And with 10 years of experience, we are leading experts at helping customers harness the benefits of AI while safely managing the risks. And we founded the company in 2014 with a training program helping academics becoming commercial data scientists. And today we provide over 300 global customers with software, bespoke AI services and fellows from our award-winning fellowship program. Now, you mentioned that you started as a sort of talent pipeline for data scientists. That's quite an unusual thing to start as one thing and then transition into a completely different. So explain to me, first of all, why you felt the need to start this talent pipeline and how that sort of transformed itself into the business that you run now. Yes, my co-founder and I, we are academics by background. And at the time, we were looking to go into industry and and looking for some way to help us transition. And there weren't any to help academics to transition into industry. And we were inspired by a similar program in the US. And given that 10 years ago, there weren't any. And uh, we decided that we would take a pun and start a business doing it ourselves. And as they all say, startups, you never end up with whatever you start off with. You, you have to pivot and evolve along the way. And so that's what we've done. And the key thing is that we we came a long way in the 10 years and seeing the kind of the changes and the evolution. And it's been quite a ride being on that journey. It sounds like You've made a great success of it. You've got some big name clients, John Lewis, HSBC. I know you can't talk specifically about what you do for them, but just give me a flavor of what it is that you do for, say, a bank or a big 
household retailer? Yes, we do work for for public and private sectors and organisations. So the ones that I think could help bring to life is is our work with Welldar, the Wells Hospital Trust, and where we help alleviate the challenge of bed blocking that your listeners might be familiar with. So this is where for example, medically fit patients can't be discharged for various reasons. And in Wales, about a third of the beds are occupied by patients who don't actually need to be in the hospital. So working closely with frontline medical staff, we're able to deploy our software frontier solution to help predict each patient's estimated date of discharge so that medical staff can start planning a patient's discharge on admission, communicating the plan to the family and non-hospital services like social care. And with that, all the discharge arrangements can be carried out without causing delays. And Hueldar sees something like 35% of reduction of bed being filled by patients who don't need to be in the hospital and the amount of efficiency saving equate to about 14 million. And these beds, importantly, can now be freed up and used by others who are, for example, uh, waiting for their elective um, waiting lists, like need replacement, for example. And AI impact like this, if replicated across England, for example, it will free up something like 4,500 beds per year. And this is just even a small efficiency gain. And I think we all would agree that NHS needs quite a bit of help. It does. And and that's a really great example. Uh, And I guess that sort of speaks to what you mentioned earlier, this human first element. So are you looking for AI to solve human problems? Is that what you mean by human first? Well, human first, what we mean is our approach to AI. So our approach to AI is that it needs to be safe, narrow and human first. Safe is that it would be silly to say that we don't want unsafe AI. I think we all know how important safe is. And having delivered for more than 300 customers, we also see that how important doing it safely is also the most impactful way of of delivering AI. And narrow here, what we mean is making sure that AI has specific predetermined goals that are set and controlled by humans. So it's not just some big random kind of algorithm that's running, but rather purposeful and set and controlled by human. And human first here, we mean that humans is always in the loop, making sure what the system output is going to be and that it is safe and complete without error. You've also done some work with the Ministry of Defence. So what kind of insights can you provide in that case? Obviously, I can't go into details, but I think it's actually I'm consistently pleasantly surprised by the UK government and public service appetite for innovation. So people are like keen to making sure that they bring in innovation into running public services and and defence. And I would say the key thing the learning is that like people are very collaborative and keen to engage and learn and doing it thoughtfully as well because for mission critical <laughs> things like this like our defense i think it has to be done properly it has to be done in a safe connected and human first 
I couldn't agree more with you about this innovation needed in public service. And actually, one of the topics that has come up a few times on this podcast is how AI should be, but probably isn't, supercharging education. We've had a few ed tech companies on, and we talk about how education doesn't really seem to have changed much in kind of a hundred years. I used to be a teacher and I think I could probably go back into a school and, and, and teach now, which sort of is quite shocking. So I was really fascinated to see that you'd taken part in a hackathon to look at this problem and of how you can engage AI in the classroom. Can you tell me anything about that, the results or what you think might be the next stages for that? Yeah, likewise. I think Education is an incredibly uh, important area and something that AI can really help where there are lots of opportunities. One thing, so this is an exercise that we did with the Department of Education to explore, this hackathon is to explore what, what solutions, what could be solving some of the challenges in education. And obviously there are like number of solutions and ideas that come out of it. But what I think is the most important learning is that this hackathon wasn't just some data scientists or engineers sitting there. It was actually like lots of different people. There were teachers, there were students, there were assistants, there were like technologists. I think you know, to solve complex societal problems like education, you actually do need that very diverse opinion and experience coming together and discuss and work together to find good solutions. Mm -hmm. HSBC Innovation Banking, our partner for this episode, provides commercial banking services, expertise and insights to the technology, life science and healthcare, private equity and venture capital industries. To find out why innovation needs different, go to www.hsbcinnovationbanking.com slash en gb. Now, perhaps more controversially, faculty did do some work for the Vote Leave campaign You've since abandoned political work. Is that because you felt that it wasn't what you wanted to do or was it just not effective? What, what were the reasons behind that? We're not a political organisation. We have never been. So we have we would have worked with, with Remain campaign as well. We don't take sides. And after the referendum, we realised that the amount of media interest when you do political work is distracting us from our actual work. So we've decided that we won't do any political work. But there are plenty of firms that are still out there doing it. Obviously, Cambridge Analytica no longer exists after the scandal with Facebook. But there are lots of firms claiming that they can provide useful insights in political campaigns. What's your feelings about that? Is it just snake oil or can you get valuable insights from data, presumably from publicly available information and social media that can help political campaigns? It's difficult to, to comment on, I would say, other organisations' approach without looking at details. But of course, this year, it's the election year. <laughs> there are many elections going around in the world. And I think it is very right for the public and people to be concerned about the role of AI in how it plays into our democracy. And again, I think from two aspects, one is that we believe the approach of safe, narrow and 
human first um, approach to AI is still important. And I would uh, strongly encourage others to consider what is the right approach to to, to AI uh, when they um, do um, work in the field. Second is that no technology is, is flawless. And certain approach, for example, in AI technique like, like deep fake, it, it applies more to elections. And of course, we, we are concerned about misinformation and, and lie that could lead to harm and how the truth can be turned into a weapon. But that happens long before AI has been mainstream. And nowadays, of course, it's harder for people to, tap, to know what's the truth, what isn't. But I also see that there's an opportunity for AI to play a role to improve democracy to, or rather safeguard where can we use AI to help educate citizens and people to get a better understanding in politics? How can we get people more involved in debate and conversations in t- important like political conversations? So I think there's, there are opportunities as well. So you touched there on deep fakes and the use of AI in elections. And that this is a huge problem as we go into the presidential elections. There's going to be a UK election this year. I was reading about a deep fake of Joe Biden's voice being used to persuade <laughs> voters not to take part in the caucus votes earlier this yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, last year, we saw pictures of Trump in handcuffs circulating on social media there was a picture of an explosion a a fake picture of an explosion outside the pentagon which which also went viral what do we do about this this issue because it's all very well to say people need to be careful about what they read and ai can also be used to educate but the truth is that people see this stuff they believe it they share it and that could have a a massive impact on how they vote yes absolutely i think this is this is an important issue, and as I said, like the the AI could be an opportunity to help alleviate some of that. How we can there are technology to how could help citizens to be get a better understanding, not necessarily to believe like everything they see. For example, nowadays people don't believe all the photos they see aren't photoshopped. People understand that and have some awareness. And and I think just simply by publicly discussing the issue, I think people have a lot more awareness and the the the, the public discourse on AI itself is very much on the AI safety and how that impacts on democracy. So I think it is generally a good debate to be had in the in in the society and what are your thoughts on sort of government regulation we see different governments approach this slightly differently but everybody wanting to try and get on top of this i guess have they succeeded do you think well the space is moving very fast the ai space it's a very fast moving field i think the uk has has a unique opportunity to build on its AI leadership, especially in driving the adoption and innovation AI, and whilst leveraging its expertise in governance regulations. UK has a phenomenal history on on its regulatory capability. So I think it's a great opportunity to help really drive a thoughtful uh, governance and responsible approach 
to AI. What we're going to see more and more is that how the government will continue sort of debate about regulations on AI, and there will also be more public and international collaboration. So the AI summit last year was a good example, how a prime minister tried to bring together the tension of the world in AI safety, and then that will help the public debate on the subject. So I think it's a generally a good direction we're moving towards to, to more safe and responsible AI. There's certainly no shortage of talking about it, is there? We are seeing these debates going on almost <laughs> constantly at the moment. Yes. But actually, do you think that, that the government should play a more practical role? I'm just thinking back to your description of what you're doing to alleviate the problem of people taking up space in hospital beds that they don't need to. Should governments take a more hands-on approach to this and say, yeah, look, this is a great idea. Let's make sure this is rolled out across the NHS tomorrow. I mean, that's probably very idealistic. But generally speaking, do you think government needs a, a more sort of practical approach to this and a less let's just discuss it and talk about it approach? From our work with the government are like, to their credit, they do want to like bring in the innovation and they we do quite a lot of work with the government and public sector in rolling those out to public services. I think it is important that the government takes cautious approach to what we hear about a lot now is the kind of frontier models or frontier AI, where these are AI where we don't understand how they work that well. We know that they're very powerful. Listeners might have heard of the chat GPT, the large language models. These are very powerful systems. And we, because we don't know how well they work, then it is right that the government takes a more cautious approach. Whereas there are a set of what I described earlier, narrow AI, where we've understood how they work and really well. They've been around for a long time. For example, your spam filter in your email. So they've been around. So those type of AI, we should just let it run as quickly as possible so that we can drive innovation to help alleviate some of the challenges we face as a society. Now, let's talk a little bit about your journey as a founder. You, you've already talked about how you started off as one thing and then pivoted to something else. There's more successes there. You secured £40 million in funding. You've now got more than 300 staff. A lot of our listeners are at the stage where they've got a startup or they're looking to scale up. Give them some tips about what you do to make sure that you get to the same sort of success levels that, that your company obviously has. It's interesting that you've asked me this question because I've never really thought about this very much. And recently, another the, uh, this question came up in another similar question in another interview recently. So it feels like, yeah. so I think, uh, first of all, like we all know any success of a business it involves a lot of luck. And that's out of our control, but it is possible to increase our odds of success. And in my view, I think three things. First is that how do we cultivate as an undistorted and nuanced model of the world as possible? Because our understanding of the world is inherently flawed, tainted by biases. But by having, I would say, a less wrong model or understanding of the world, how things work, we can make better decisions, which invariably leads to a more favorable outcome. 
And secondly, hard work. I think it's non-negotiable. There are no shortcuts, and the amount of effort you put in directly correlates with your likelihood of success. And third is, I guess, I think as humans, I would say my journey is that is really identifying and aligning what my values has really paved a way that. Um, both for fulfilling life and a more kind of aligned organizations as well, because the, the culture, the value is incredibly important. Yeah, I would say those would be my thick three kind of reflections. Good tips, good tips indeed. Now, another thing that founders always grapple with is time and and having enough time to do everything, finding enough hours in the day. And I, in a previous interview with UKTN, you described yourself as a productivity junkie, which I thought was an interesting phrase. So explain what that means. Yeah, so productivity junkie means that I'm obsessed with tips and tools out there that could make me more productive. Can I do something quicker, or can I automate some repetitive tasks that I need to do it routinely? Yes, that that's what I mean by productivity junkie. <laughs> so, what kind of tools have you found that that help you be more efficient? So, one challenge I have found, and I. I suspect many of of your listeners will experience is knowledge management. We are so full of information around us. And I often have millions of tabs open on my browser and it's impossible to find anything. And so I have recently found a, a wonderful nifty bookmark manager for both websites and documents. And it's incredible having a good tool just allow you to find information easily without scrolling through tons of tabs and finding different folders. It's been quite life-changing and just, yeah, saves a lot of time. And you've also become something of an exercise junkie, haven't you? And I, funnily enough, I've spoken to quite a few CEOs recently who have made the point that to do a job well, you have to also look after yourself and your health, which sort of makes sense, really, but I haven't really heard it laid out in those terms before. So I'm guessing you would agree with that, that you exercise has to be an important part of everybody's job, even when you're busy with hundreds of tasks in a day, you've got to find time to to look after yourself, right? Oh, 100%. I think everyone has the experience that you really have to make an effort to go to the gym. But after you've been, you feel millions are better, like infinitely better. I think we often lose track of looking after ourselves, thinking we just need to get things done. And I think just my experience of having lots going on and having a a high pressure responsibilities, I think it's even more important that you're in the right frame of mind because otherwise you could end up making very bad decisions that will be counterproductive and actually makes opposite what you want to set out to achieve. So it it does require effort, but I think that effort of looking after yourself exercise is incredibly important. Now we're coming to the end of our time. Just give me finally a sense of what's next for faculty. What things have you got coming up? What's this year going to look like for you as a company? Yes, this year is, first of all, it's our 10-year anniversary. So we will Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's making me feel quite old. But I think it's quite exciting. We see that there's so much interest in AI and that organizations are taking this very seriously. It's in it's the number one topic on the leaders or, or board's agenda. 
Now, I think the challenge would be how do we help organizations to 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 make the right decisions of, for example, business might be rushing to implement AI tools, which is exciting, but that just means that there's a risk of getting caught up in the hype cycle. So is that mm. how do we help organizations to to prioritize transformational investment, strategic investment over short-term gains? And I think with the amount of experience we have, we, I feel we're in a unique position to help them. And I'm quite excited about that. And is there particular areas that you haven't worked in yet uh, that you'd like to, new categories of clients that you think could really benefit from the services you offer? I think we, as an organisation's faculty, we care a lot about doing impactful work. And I you previously said the education is an important area and there are other like healthcare which we are working on but for example energy is is also something we are working on. again i think some of these big challenges education healthcare energy we are just at the start of the kind of ai era so i think it, it, the question going forward is that how could we like help more people and do more work and it's start of a, a lot of organizations at, at the beginning of the journey how do we help them move that journey and get that benefit as as quickly as possible it's certainly exciting times who knows where we will be on our <laughs> ai journey this time next year if we were to have a chat and maybe we will but for now that's all we've got time for angie thank you so much for joining me and thank you to everybody who's been listening We will be back with another episode next week. But in the meantime, you can keep up to date with all the latest UK tech developments at www.uktech.news. Don't forget, you can follow me and UKTN on LinkedIn and X. And you can also get in touch with your comments and suggestions about the show. Until next time, goodbye from me. This podcast is brought to you by HSBC Innovation Banking, the power behind the UK's forward thinkers, future makers and leap takers. They're helping to ignite the bold ideas that reshape our world. Go to www.hsbcinnovationbanking.com slash en gb to find out how innovation needs different. Thank you.